Thank you so much for joining us online. We want Bethany to be a place where people can get connected to God, to each other, and to the world. If you would like someone to talk to or to pray for you, you can email us at prayer at bethanysite.com. We also greatly appreciate everyone that gives so generously at Bethany. If you'd like to give, you can do so by clicking Give in the top right menu on our homepage at bethanysite.com. Again, thank you for joining us online. We hope that this service will be a blessing to you. If you've turned uh, on uh, and watching online, we just want to uh, uh, thank you for coming and joining us. And uh, we're going to be having communion at the end. So if you wanted to join us, you might uh, get the elements. And uh, we're going to be uh, celebrating the Lord's Supper uh, towards the end of my message. Uh, If you would turn with me in your Bibles to John uh, chapter 12, John chapter 12. Uh, we're going to be looking at this uh, story, and as you're turning there, I just wanted to uh, also add that I'm really excited about our growth track, step one, and it's going to be uh, on Sunday, February uh, 6th at 11.45, and uh, we're excited about that. Uh, we get to teach about uh, what's really important uh, for Bethany and what we're like as a church and our, our mission and our purpose and then, you know, kind of a membership orientation, and then the most important thing about having a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ and our call to make disciples. So we'd love to have you join us. Uh, We provide a lunch, and we also have child care. So uh, we'd love to have you come to that. Uh, In uh, John chapter 12, there's uh, this story. And last week, um, uh, Pastor Josh taught on uh, the the chapter before, uh, Jesus raising Lazarus. And Lazarus had two sisters, uh, Mary and Martha. And this kind of continues the story uh, of a dinner that's a very unique dinner. It uh, would be one of those dinners that I would love to have been there uh, personally. So let me read to you verses 1 through 11. Uh, six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus lived, uh, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Here a dinner was given in Jesus' honor. Uh, Martha served while Lazarus was among those reclining at table with him. Then Mary took about a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume, and she poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. He did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. As keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. Leave her alone, Jesus replied. It was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. And you will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. And meanwhile, a large crowd of Jews found out that Jesus, where Jesus was there and came, not only because of him, but also to see Lazarus, who had raised from the dead. And so the chief priests made plans to kill Lazarus as well, for on account of him, many of the Jews were going over to Jesus and believing in him. As we look at this, I want you to know that the key verse that we've been using for this series, we use the resurrection and the life from chapter 11, and Pastor Josh went over that. And the one that I wanted to point you to is John 12, 24. You saw in that little video at the beginning of the message, very truly I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed, but if it dies, it produces many seeds. 
Literally, it produces much fruit. And Jesus is talking about himself, of him giving his life for us and dying on the cross for our sins and then coming out of the grave alive. But it's the idea that he's going to produce much fruit from his death. And so uh, there's just something wonderful about that verse and that this whole uh, chapter, chapter 11, chapter 12, is about the resurrection and death and it's um, looking forward to Jesus going to the cross uh, we have this uh, app, and you can go along and look at the notes, and I, I've got them listed, so when you hear me saying one, two, three, four, I'm just kind of directing you in, in those notes. So number one, Jesus at Bethany. Look at verse uh, one. Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Uh, this is uh, like a week before Jesus goes to the cross. So this is a real uh, timely uh, area of uh, Jesus' life. Uh, Bethany is also the name of our church. They chose the name of Bethany because of all the great things that happened here at Bethany. This is a town that's two miles out of Jerusalem. Uh, Bethany in Hebrew literally means house of figs. I don't know if you think that's a really great name for a church, but uh, I love figs. I love especially fig newtons, so I don't mind it at all. Uh, Beth in uh, Hebrew means house, so like Bethlehem and you know, is house of bread, and anything with Beth is, is a, a house of something. So uh, Bethany is the, the house of figs. And I, I like that name. Uh, there's a lot of people that don't understand why we'd have a girl's name for a church, but actually it was a place. And the story that I'm talking about is actually probably the biggest reason that there's a lot of churches in America named Bethany. There's Bethany Baptist and Bethany Community and Bethany Lutheran and Bethany Presbyterian. There's all kinds of Bethanies uh, because of the worship that takes place with Mary anointing the Lord Jesus Christ and worshiping him. Uh, the other thing is, uh, this is where Lazarus lived with his uh, two sisters, uh, uh, Martha and Mary. And uh, what's interesting about verse 1, it says, Jesus had raised him from the dead. So you can see why there would want to be a kind of a dinner uh, that was given to Jesus, you know. And this is number two, a dinner to honor Jesus. A dinner was given to Jesus' honor, and Martha served while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. And this is a, a small town. Bethany is still a small town. Uh, it's mostly a Palestinian town right now, and it's a really interesting place. But most likely, this was kind of like a community uh, uh, invitation, and they wanted to honor the Lord Jesus Christ and thank him, you know, for raising Lazarus and bringing attention to their, to their small hamlet. And there's something wonderful about honoring the Lord Jesus Christ. And then almost everyone would want to be at a dinner or if someone was there that had been raised from the dead. In fact, if I could sit next to anyone, you know, you know it's, I, as a pastor, I have to say, well, I want to sit next to Jesus, right? But if the next person I'd want to sit at at this, ten, at this, this dinner, I would want to be sitting. And actually, they laid down. Uh, they actually uh, reclined, and they would lay, you know, with a, on a pillow on their arm, and then they would uh, eat, you know, very comfortably. But I would want to be next to Lazarus, because I'd have a whole bunch of questions, like, do you remember what it was like, you know? Uh, what was the first thing you heard, you know? Did you hear Jesus' voice real clearly, or did it come to you slowly, you know? And what was it like, you know, being 
dead, you know? Uh, do you remember anything about heaven or the afterworld? What did God kind of look like? What, what, what did you see? You know, I'd have all those questions, and you could just see Lazarus. Look, I'm eating, son. Be quiet, you know? There was just something wonderful about this, and there was probably a lot of people that wanted to see Lazarus because he was raised from the dead. So they're here to honor the Lord Jesus Christ. And number three, the people at the dinner... Notice it says there was a, a dinner that was given to Jesus honor. Martha served, uh, which is her particular gift, and Lazarus was among those reclining, you know, you know kind of sitting, uh, laying at the table, and they all kind of had these low tables, and they had their left hand on a pillow because, remember, the left hand is not a hand you would eat with because that's the bathroom hand. So they would be eating with their right hand, and everyone would be kind of, you know, and and your feet would be spread out over here so that you know Mary comes along and anoints his feet. But before we get to that, I just want to let you know that there were some really amazing people at, at, this, at this dinner. And uh, first of all, Lazarus has been resurrected. And then there's Martha. And if you remember from uh, Luke chapter 10, any stories about Mary and Martha, there's a story about Martha is, is invited Jesus into her home, opened up her home. She's serving the meal. She's trying to get it prepared. And her sister isn't helping her with dinner. Her sister Mary is at Jesus' feet listening to him teach and talk. And Martha gets upset and says, you know, Jesus, you know, make my sister help me with the meal. Make her help me. And Jesus says, Martha, you're, you're so upset about so many things. And he says, Martha, Martha. So when someone calls you by your name twice, you know, like if Elaine says, George, George, you know, uh, or you get in trouble and you get your middle name, say George William, you know, there's that kind of thing. So you could just see Jesus saying, Martha, Martha, you're bothered by a whole bunch of things. But Mary has chosen the better thing and she will have it. Now, this is just my opinion. But if I was Martha and my personality, I would have said, oh, okay, let me just join you. We'll just let the dinner burn and I'll just sit right here with Mary and we'll just sit at your feet and have the better thing. But the good thing I'm not Martha and Martha took his rebuke. And many times it's hard to be rebuked and Martha took the rebuke and she prepared the meal and Mary was at his feet you know, because she is this personality that loves the Lord Jesus Christ and is contemplative, and there's just something wonderful. And both of them have spiritual gifts. Neither one is better than the other. But it's interesting here that Mary is the one that worships Jesus by anointing him for his burial. But there's also uh, uh, another uh, story in in Mark that tells the same story, and it has details that John doesn't have. In fact, John has details that Mark and Matthew don't have. And in Mark's uh, uh, version, one of the things it says, they were at table at the home of Simon the leper. So it's not at a Martha's home, it's at Simon the leper's, probably because he had a bigger home, probably had a bigger uh, uh, serving area, bigger banquet area. And so they were at Simon the leper, but most likely he wasn't a leper anymore. Jesus had healed him. And so that's kind of cool, too. I like that idea of someone who would be an outcast, and all of a sudden now they're in an in-cast, and they're part of the gang, and they're there, and Martha's exercising her gift, and Mary comes along. And this is number four, and Mary anoints Jesus. Then Mary took about a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume, 
she poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair, and the house filled with the fragrance of the perfume. Nard is this really amazing spice uh, that comes from India and also from uh, Syria. Uh, it is a very expensive, and it was used to anoint bodies for burial back then. And uh, she has this pint that is worth a year's wages, and she's going to anoint the Lord Jesus Christ. It's interesting, in the John version, you know, she anoints his feet and wipes his feet with her hair. Uh, in the uh, Mark version, um, uh, she anoints his head. It's the most interesting thing. It says in Mark, it, she broke the jar and poured perfume on Jesus' head. And then later, Jesus says, she poured the perfume on my body beforehand to prepare my burial. So I don't think it was just her head or just her feet. It was also, you know, whatever was exposed. So I could see her coming alongside and this alabaster is kind of like a, a cheap marble, and she breaks it probably the top, and she probably started on the head and anointed his head, and then moved down, anointing him with this really beautiful smelling perfume, and then put it on his feet and wiped it with her hair. Now, I don't know if you like the smell of perfume, but this perfume, Nard, has a musky, woody, earthy, spice smell. And it's really pungent and really strong. So I don't know if you've ever been around someone that was wearing too much perfume. I don't know if you ever have had too much put on you, like, you know, you had too much on you. Remember when I was junior high, uh, I was trying to be cool or whatever, and I got a bottle of old leather, old English leather or something, you know, and, and uh, my mom made me go and take a shower. It was so strong, you know, and you, you, you try to be cool when you're like seventh grade, and it was just too much. I don't know if you've ever been around someone that has too much perfume on, but can you imagine at a banquet and you're eating, so you're eating your hummus with some pita bread and you're eating some chicken and pretty soon all it tastes like is nard right you just got a, 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 you know it's just so strong and it has to make everyone stop everyone has to stop in the middle of this banquet that's honoring Jesus and they they quit eating they quit drinking they probably quit talking and there's this silence and Mary is adoring the Lord Jesus Christ and she's anointing him for his burial. And I, I think it's one of the most beautiful things. In fact, Jesus says in the Mark version, you know, uh, she has done a beautiful thing to me. And one of the most amazing things about the Lord Jesus Christ is he receives that worship from her. He receives it. And the, one of the things I want to talk about is I, I, I kind of read the story and I'm telling you the story and then I want to draw some Conclusions, but the biggest one is the idea of adoration and worship. And I want you to know that this is like one of the most beautiful things, but it had to be show-stopping. It had to stop the dinner. I don't know if you noticed, but I have a, a bottle here of Old Spice. Uh, this is a, a, one of the colognes that I use. There's another one that I use, but I, I like Old Spice. My dad used Old Spice, and uh, uh, when we were first married, I, I would use Old Spice, and Elaine asked me to stop using Old Spice because her dad wore Old Spice, and she says, I don't want to be kissing my dad, so don't wear it anymore. So I wanted to be kissed, and I said, okay, I won't wear it anymore. What do you want me to wear? Because she's got a real sensitive you know, nose, especially in her 20s. So what do you want me? You, you pick it out, and I'll wear it. 
you know. And so she went and picked out this musk. They don't even make it anymore, but it was a certain musk, and I forget the name of it, but it was this musk, and it really smelled good. And, and, uh, and I started wearing that. And she said, oh, that smells so much better. And she loved it. And then when we had our first child, when we first got pregnant, when I say we, she got pregnant. And uh, we were having George. And we would commute into Los Angeles. We had to commute 50 miles one way and 50 miles back. And I would drink coffee and I'd wear my musk, you know. And she would go, I I can't stand it. You're making me sick. You're making me nauseous. She'd roll down the window. She said, don't ever wear that musk again and stop drinking coffee in the car. Stop drinking coffee in the car, you know. It's making me nauseous. And then she made me go back to Old Spice. That was the only thing that smelled good. So I've been able to wear it, you know, ever since, you know, George was born. And I just love that. And I want you to know that we are all very sensitive to smell. And the Lord Jesus Christ, when he is getting anointed and she is loving him and adoring him and giving him adoration, there is this wonderful moment that Jesus receives it and then the spell is broken by Judas, the betrayer. And that's the next one, Judas Judas objection number five. But one of uh, his disciples, Judas Iscariot, who later betrayed him, objected objected to what was happening. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It's worth a year's wages. And many times there's some people that think that worship is a waste. Why why do we spend time worshiping? And why do you spend time worshiping the Lord? And, and you know, there's just something about it that can be irritating if someone really gets into worship and they spend their time worshiping. And here he objects to it and he objects to this. And we know, uh, number six, Judas is a thief. He did not say this because he really cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. And he kept the money bag and he would you know, take advantage and, and he would grab it. And you could see him wanting to use it for his own way. But in the Mark version, uh, it is the most interesting thing that uh, Jesus um, uh, responds to them, uh, responds to him and says, leave her alone. Uh, number seven, Jesus defends Mary. Leave her alone. It was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. In the Mark version, he says, she poured perfume on my body beforehand to prepare for my burial. And I think, and I may be pushing the story a little too far, but I think that Mary understood that she was preparing him for the grave. And she knew, she listened to him, she had been at his feet, she listened to him, and where many of the disciples didn't get it, She heard him at least three times say, I'm going to the cross. I am going to Jerusalem to die for the sins of the world. She knew, and she got it. Of all the disciples, this woman gets it, and she prepares and gets him ready for burial by anointing him while he's still alive. And whenever I read this, I just think it would be so cool if we would have funerals for people before they died. Wouldn't it be awesome? Whenever I go to funerals, people get up and they say, this person was wonderful or this gal was so great and they tell these stories. What if we did that beforehand, before they died? You know, it's like they're getting a little older and you say, you know, we need to have your memorial service now. You know, and maybe that wouldn't be such a great idea, but I, I remember thinking this with my parents, you know, that I need to let them know how much I like them. I don't just want to say it when they're already dead and in heaven. So I remember telling my parents and then writing each one of them a letter, 
letting them know how much they meant to me and what they had done for me and, and made it, you know, multiple pages of letting them know that I loved them and appreciated them and so happy to be their son. And there's something wonderful about doing that before uh, they're dead. And so Mary uh, is defended by Jesus. He says, leave her alone. And then he says this, this powerful thing that many people are offended by and other people use it as a defense not to help the poor. Number eight, you will always have the poor. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. And people have twisted that. But the Mark version, he has another sentence that says, and you can help them anytime you want. So we're supposed to help the poor, and we're supposed to be generous people. And so it doesn't mean we don't do that, but it doesn't mean that we do not worship the Lord Jesus Christ and give him adoration and make him a priority. Uh, number uh, nine, it says, Meanwhile, a large crowd of Jews found out that Jesus was there, and they came not only because of him, but also to see Lazarus. And I, I love that word, meanwhile. It pushes the story it gives background and context, and it's this wonderful thing that uh, this is something that goads the chief priest to begin plotting to kill Jesus in a greater way. And it says here they even wanted to kill Lazarus because nothing is more proof that Jesus is the Son of God than by raising the dead. And then all the time, every one of these stories in chapter 11 and chapter 12, there's always a little verse that says, and more people believed, and more people believed, and more people believed. The religious leaders didn't believe, and they wanted to kill him, but more people were believing. Number 10 uh, is this idea of adoration. I just want to talk about adoration. Uh, adoration is a, a part of worship. It's also, for me, is a part of prayer. I use the acronym ACTS, which is adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication is a fancy word for asking uh, Jesus to answer your prayers. But adoration is really hard to do. Adoration may be the most difficult thing for, for North American Christians. And uh, if I just give you a definition, adoration is defined. This is Webster. Uh, the act of paying honor to worship or honor God. Uh, number two, to regard with loving admiration and devotion. And number three is to be extremely fond of. You know, he was... He was um, uh, he adored his daughter, you know. Uh, she adored her dad. Uh, number four, fervent and devoted love and respect. And number five, worship, veneration, homage, and reverence. And in adoration, when we adore, there is some aspects of adoration that are really important when we worship the Lord Jesus Christ. And the first one, I think, is thanksgiving that the dinner was given in honor of the Lord Jesus Christ, and part of it was thanking him. You know, Martha is serving the dinner to thank him for raising her brother from the dead. And she's the one that met Jesus at the edge of town and said, you know, if you'd been here, he wouldn't have died. And, and there's something, you know, when he says, if, you know, if you believe, and she says, I do believe, and there's something wonderful about that. And so thanksgiving is really an important part. So I imagine as Mary was anointing him, you could hear her saying to Jesus, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for being my savior. Thank you for raising my brother. Thank you. And then praise giving is another part of adoration. And praise is uh, probably one of the hardest ones to do. Uh, I want to praise you. I want to thank you. I want to praise you. And then to say, you know, what you praise them for. And Elaine and I are now in that place in our marriage 
Uh, and if you can talk to her too and see if she agrees with me or not, because I didn't pass this one by before I talked about it. But you could ask her, but we're in that place where I can praise her and she doesn't reject it. You know, she doesn't have that, no, 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 don't say that. You know, oh, no, no, you know, uh, no, that's not true. You know, she will receive it because she knows that I really mean it. And I say to her in adoration, well, you're a good grandmother. Boy, the way you treated Novella and Wesley on Sunday and the way you talk to them and play with them, you are a good grandmother. And say to her, you, you know, you're a, you're a good mom. The way our kids love you and praise you and the way you have relationship with uh, George and Katie and Evan, you're just a good mom. And then, you know, I'm going to say, and you're a good wife. And there's so many things. You know, she is a good wife. And she's put up with me for so many years, especially when I was immature. And one of the best things that you can do, and this has probably nothing to do with worshiping God or adoration for God, but one of the best things that we can take from this in our personal life is to adore the people we're most closest to. We don't take them for granted, that we praise them, that we thank them, that we adore them, and we let them know. If you're a guy, you need to let your, your spouse know that you love her and you adore her and she's everything. And, it, and if you're a wife and you've got a guy, you need to let him know, you know how much you love him and praise him and, and adore one another. Because life is short. I threw that in for free, you guys. So anyway, the next aspect that I think is really important is sacrifice giving. That, that uh, worshiping and adoring God is sacrificial. That there really is some sacrifice things that you do. And um, for Mary, it's taking uh, this perfume that's worth a year's wages. Worth a year's wages. And giving it to the Lord Jesus Christ. That, that's just, it was sacrificial. It was amazing. And worship many times is us sacrificing and, and giving, you know, like offerings, tithes and offerings is really should be sacrifice. It should be from the heart. Uh, this Christmas, I got Elaine some perfume. Uh, there's been quite a few years that she would not wear perfume because she kind of became uh, allergic to smells. But she uh, found one that my um, uh, daughter-in-law talked to her about, and I found out from my daughter-in-law what the name of it was, and uh, I won't tell you because you guys will go out and get it, and then, you know, it won't be just her perfume, but this perfume, you know, I had to have it shipped up from Portland, you know, and, and it was a little tiny bottle, and, and, and it was like $31, don't tell her, but $31, you know, and for that little thing, you know, like, this is like, what, eight bucks, you know, and you get a big hunk of it, you know, why, why, why it is so expensive, but it really smells good, and it's a kind of a lighter, um, muskier smell you know it's an awesome perfume and uh, because number one she likes it and I like her and so I'm gonna say yeah ooh, that's awesome you know and I don't really care what it smells like you know but that is what uh, adoration is and sacrifice is where we give sacrificially the last one is is I think um, 
this idea of I giving. You know, I give thanksgiving, praise giving, sacrifice giving. This last one, I'm kind of making up the word I giving. And that is where we put the, our eyes on the Lord Jesus Christ. And when Mary was focused on worshiping Jesus, she was focused on him. Not the crowd, not the people, not the food, not the dinner. She's focused on him and her eyes are on the Lord Jesus Christ. And probably the only time she took her eyes off the Lord Jesus Christ while she was anointing him from head to toe was when Judas objected. And we know from the Mark that other people joined in in rebuking her. In fact, it says in Mark, and they rebuked her harshly. They rebuked her harshly. She's doing this beautiful thing for the Lord Jesus Christ. And they begin to rebuke her. And she probably looked up at them and, you know, had this stinging rebuke. And Jesus said, leave her alone. Leave her alone. And she probably went right back to worshiping Jesus and adoring him. And this idea of having our eyes on the Lord Jesus Christ is Psalms, I'll give you a whole bunch of verses. Psalm 16, 8, I keep my eyes always on the Lord. And Psalms 25, 15, my eyes are ever on the Lord, for only he can release my feet from the snare. Psalms 119 says, I turn my eyes away from worthless things and turn my eye towards you. Uh, Psalms 141.8 says, My eyes are fixed on you, O sovereign Lord. Hebrews 12.2, New Testament says, Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. And the eyes of faith always look outward. They never look inward. It isn't an inward look. It's an outward gaze. And we look at the Lord Jesus Christ, and he's the author, and he's the perfecter. Hebrews 3.1 says, even fix your thoughts on the Lord Jesus Christ. And one of the best ways that we can adore the Lord Jesus Christ is that we focus on him. That we are focused on him. And right now, there is an attention. Attention um, emphasis in our culture, where everyone is trying to get attention from us. The commercials, uh, the left and right political divide, uh, uh, Facebook, social media, everyone, and everyone is going louder and louder and, you know, all caps. And, you know, I, get, I got some letters, more than a few letters this last two years, you know, that was like three pages long, single space, you know, uh, all caps, you know, 19 different exclamation marks, you know, people are angry and the louder they are. And I want you to know that worship, many times and most of the time when you are worshiping the Lord Jesus Christ, especially alone, it's quiet. It's quiet. I had a quiet adoration of my wife. Uh, the other night we um, sat next to each other on a couch and she made popcorn, and it was the best adoration I can imagine. I don't eat popcorn that often, and she made her special popcorn with olive oil and, and salt, and we ate popcorn, and we just talked. And Elaine loves to talk to me, and she loves for me to listen, and she loves to hear what I have to say, and we got in some really deep 
conversations, you know, and then we watched Boba Fett. But we spent that first time, you know, talking, you know, and spending time talking. And there's something about the quiet. And right now we are in a culture that is so loud and so much trying to get our attention. And there seems to be this idea, who's ever the loudest and the crudest and the meanest, you know, gets the attention and the angriest. And I think it's the opposite in spiritual life is that we go quiet. And one of the best ways to get someone's attention nowadays is to lower your voice. And I love to lower my voice and say to Elaine, I love you. I really love you. And then to hear back, I know. Isn't that awesome? It's so wonderful. And adoration in our lives is the missing key in worship and many, many things. So we're going to kind of move into a a period where we can worship Jesus by taking the Lord's Supper. And uh, I have this scripture that I want to read. And uh, we have um, some uh, elements back there. We have them in these, you know, cups and stuff that, you know, no one has uh, contaminated them. And uh, the bread uh, represents the Lord Jesus' body. And the cup represents uh, his blood that he shed on the cross for us. And uh, there's some in the back. If you didn't get one, you can go back there and grab one. And um, I want you to take this uh, on your own while we're singing. And the band is going to lead us in a song. And you can just stay seated and get things right with the Lord Jesus Christ. And then on your own, take it and then join and stand. But first, um, let's have some silent prayer. And then I'll pray for all of us. But let's ask Jesus to forgive us our sins. And to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And to get ourselves right. And if you are uh, new to all this. uh, You haven't gone to church for a long time. And maybe you are on a spiritual journey and you can hear God calling you. In fact, you hear Jesus calling you. Uh, You can partake, but you need to know him. And the way to know him is to ask him, you know, today into your life. So let's have just totally silent prayer just for a little bit.